Pink and Say by Patricia Polacco. When Sheldon Russell Curtis told this story to his daughter Rosa, she kept every word in her heart and was to retell it many times over in her long lifetime. Sheldon had been injured in a fierce battle and was left for dead in a muddy, blood-soaked pasture somewhere in Georgia. He was a mere lad of 15. He lay there for two days by his reckoning, only to slip into unconsciousness and fever. He was rescued from this field by another lad who had also been separated from his company. I will tell it in his own words as nearly as I can. I watched the sun edge toward the center of the sky above me. I was hurt real bad. For almost a year, I'd been in this man's war, the war between the states. Being just a lad, I was wishing I was home. My leg burned and was angry from the lead ball that was lodged in it just above my knee. I felt sleepy and everything would go black. Then I'd wake up again. I wanted to go back to our farm in Ohio, and sometimes when I'd fall into one of them strange sleeps, I'd be there with my ma, tasting bacon powder biscuits fresh out of her wood stove. Then I heard a voice. For a moment, I thought I was fever dreaming, but then I felt strong hands touch my brow, splashing water in my face. Being here, boy, means you gotta be dead, the voice said as he gave me a drink from his kit. Where you hit? Cause if it's a belly hit, I gotta leave you here, he said. I had never seen a man like him so close before. His skin was the color of polished mahogany. He was flying union colors like me, my age maybe. His voice was soothing and his help was good. Hitting the leg, I told him. Not bad if it don't go green. Can you put weight on it? He asked as he pulled me to my feet. We gotta keep moving. If we stay in one spot, marauders will find us. They're riding drag and looking for wounded. Next thing I remember was collapsing in a heap on the ground and rocking with the pain in my leg. Everything started to go black. Then I remember him pulling me up his on his back. I heard him say, Lord have mercy, child. You as bad off as I am. I'll tote you. I can't rightly leave you here. I remember being pulled and carried and stumbling. I remember hard branches snapping back in my face and mouths full of dirt as we hit the ground to keep from being seen. I remember slogging through streams, hauling up small bluffs and belly crawling through dry fields. I remember these things in a half sleep like, but I do remember being carried for a powerful long way. The fever must have took me good because I could feel a cool, sweet-smelling quilt next to my face. Soft, gentle, warm hands were stroking my head with a cool, wet rag cloth. Look at that morning that's coming, a woman's voice said as she spooned oat porridge into me. Do your mama know what a beautiful baby boy she has? Where am I? Is this heaven, I asked. She tossed her head and laughed. No, child. Pink has brung you home to me, don't you remember? Oh, the mahogany child, I thought. Both you children been on the run for days, and a miracle of God Almighty brung you both here. Yes, indeed, child, a miracle. I remember thinking, could this war have been so close to this lad's home? I couldn't imagine having a war right in his backyard. I looked over and saw him looking out the window light. Guess you don't remember much, he said. I'm Pinkus Ailey, fought with the 48th colored. Found you after I got lost from my company. My name is Sheldon. 
Sheldon Curtis, I said weakly. This is my mother, sweet Momo Bay, he said as she smiled at me. Lord, Lord, I never thought I'd see my dear boy again, she said as she hugged him. I've been getting along though, Pincus. Warm things got left in the big house when the family left. Dry goods too. The rest I've been getting from the woods. There's a fresh water spring. Still have some chickens. Even got an old cow out back that still gives milk. That, then you've been all alone here? Pincus asked his mother. Where is everybody? Your daddy runned off to fight a month ago. All the hands and their children runned off out of harm's way. But I stayed. I prayed to the Lord every day. My prayers were surely answered because he brought my baby back here to stay. She said as her face beamed. You ain't never gonna leave your mama again, are you, child? She said softly. Pincus looked troubled and didn't answer. I'm going down to the stream and pound these clothes of yours, she said as she readied to leave us. If you hear marauders coming, get for the root cellar, boy. Stay down there till they're gone. That's what I've been doing. Marauders here, Pincus said with alarm. They've seen there's nothing here for them, child. Nothing. As soon as she left, Pincus sank to my bedside. Sheldon boy, he whispered. As soon as you heal up, we gotta get away from here. We are putting Momo Bay in great danger by being here. If they come and find that she's been holding troopers, then his voice trailed off. We gotta get back to our outfits if we can find them. You mean back to the war? I asked. I must have gone pale as he went on to say, it's the only way, ain't it? Then he looked at me. Sheldon, you all right? You look bothered, he said as he eased me back. You can call me Say, I said. Everybody in my family calls me Say, not Sheldon. I spect you're my family now. Near enough, Say, near enough, he said as he chucked the blanket under my feet. You can call me Pink, he said softly as he smiled. For the next week, Momo Bay fed us both up good. Raw milk and cornbread never tasted so good in all my born days. It were the first time in months my vittles didn't have any mealy worms in it. She saw to it that I tried to walk a little every day. So that mean looking leg don't go stiff on you and cripple up, she said. You gotta walk on it. This place wasn't that much different from our farmhouse in Ohio. More poor maybe, but it smelled the same. Like pine boards and good cooking. A mess of beans with salt pork, cornbread, greens, and onions. When we slept, she sat near us, stoked the fire, and watched over us. Never thought I'd feel safe enough to sleep deep again. My mother and Kalo, my father, jumped the broom on this very spot, Pink said as he walked me on my first day outdoors. And that's where the master's house was, Master A. Lee. Pink spoke quietly as he helped me along. How come you have his last name, I asked. Boy, when you owned, you ain't got no name of your own. Even Kalo had to take that name. As we rested under the willow tree, Pink asked me about my family back home. Got one brother still at home to help run the place for Pa, I answered. What was your outfit again? Pink asked. He'd asked me before. Ohio 24th, I carried the staff. Wasn't supposed to carry a gun, but then so many died, even us boys had to carry after so many were slaughtered like hogs. Least you got to carry. In the 48th unit, we couldn't have guns at first. We fought with sticks and hammers and sledges. Can you imagine not trusting us with our own fight? I couldn't imagine such a thing. Then, when they did finally give us muskets, they were from the Mexican-American War. Those muskets jammed and misfired. Then how can you want to go back, I asked. Cause it's my fight, say. Ain't it yours too? If we don't fight, then who will?
I had no answer for him, but God forgive me, I didn't want to ever go back to it. After a few more days, I could walk a little steadier, but still needed help. Pink took me out by the big house and walked me through it. Weren't much left of it, really. It was mostly burnt out. Master Ailey had a library full of books right here, he said. He taught me to read, even though it was against the law. He must have been a good man, I said. More bad than good, say. Sometimes I think he just liked being read to. There was this book of poetry, say. That was this thick. Every night I'd read out loud to him from that book. I blessed this house because of all those beautiful books, but I cursed it too for what it stood for. We walked a bit further. To be born a slave is a heap of trouble, say. But after A. Lee taught me to read, even though he owned my person, I knew that nobody ever could really own me. You feel hot pink, I said. Lord, I think you are as sick as me. Let me fetch you back to the house. I'll be fine, boy. Just a little tired, that's all. I'll be ready to fight, though. I'll be ready to fight. That night after we ate, Mobo Bay came back to the table with a worn old Bible. She was so happy, my heart ached at the thought of telling her we'd be leaving soon. Master A. Lee showed him how paper talks. Show him, Pink, she said. He took out a pair of spectacles from his pocket and opened the Bible to the Psalms of David and started to read. His voice was steady and had such wonder. Just hearing them words made pictures come into my head. I surely do wish I could read, I announced to them without thinking. When Pink saw I was ashamed, he took my hand. I'll teach you, say. Some one day, I'll teach you. I could feel my face flushing up. Then I spoke up. I done something important, I announced. Of course you have, child. Of course you have, his mother said. I touched Mr. Lincoln's hand. It was near Washington. We were quartered there just before Bull Run. The president himself were shaking everyone's hands, and I just put my hand right out. And he took it, Pink asked. Yep, he took it, I answered. Now there's a sign, ain't it, he said, smiling broadly. Touch my hand, Pink. Now you can say you touched the hand that shook the hand of Abraham Lincoln. Next best thing to touching him, Momo Bay said in wonder. Most of the day, Pink was studying an old map. Marauders don't fan out further than 30 miles or so from their camps. If they come here, then their units must be that close. We gotta get south of the river. See here, say, that's where my troops were headed. We can meet up with them about here, I figure. Meet up with who? You ain't leaving. His mother's voice caught as she came upon us. Now, my mother, you knew we couldn't stay here. You had to know that, he said as he tried to calm her. No, no, my babies, my dear babies, she cried. She was inconsolable for a time. Then she sat still and afeared as she listened. Mother, this war has to be won, or this sickness that has taken this land will never stop. Pink always called slavery the sickness when we talked. We have to go. He knelt at her feet. By the look that came into her eyes, she'd known that this day was coming. I could feel my breath breathe and catch. My chest was heavy. My hands were sweating, and I felt sick to my stomach. I knew that I had to tell Pink something. I just didn't know how. That night, I couldn't sleep. What's wrong, child? Momo Bay said from her chair. I don't want to go back, I blurted out. I know, child, she said. Of course you don't. You don't understand. I took up and run away from my unit. I was hit when I was running. I sobbed so hard my ribs hurt. I'm a coward and a deserter. She looked at the fire and said nothing for the longest time. Then her voice covered my cries. 
You ain't nothing of the kind. You a child, a child. Of course you're scared. Ain't nobody that ain't. I'm not brave like pink. I'm not brave. Child, being brave don't mean you ain't afeard. Don't you know that? I don't want to die. There's things worse than death, child, but you got nothing to fear. You are here now and I'm hugging you up. You going to be an old man someday. When it is your time, the sweet Lord will send a hummingbird to fly your soul to heaven. Now you ain't afraid of hummingbirds, are you? Her words brought me to sweet sleep. That night, I dreamt of hummingbirds and green pastures full of sunlight and wildflowers. The next morning, we mustered to leave. We packed cornbread, salt pork, and dried beans. I would have done just about anything to stay, but my place was to go with Pink. I owed him that. Just as we were making the last sweep of the place, making sure there were no signs of us ever being there, we heard wild screams and shrieks coming from the woods. Marauders, Pink said as he grabbed a piece of wood for a club. Momo Bay took it from him. Get to the root cellar. They ain't got no truck or problem with an old dark woman. You get to that cellar, you hear? We didn't like it, but then she pushed us. Hurry, before they're here. She lifted the root cellar door and shoved us in. Don't you come out till I tell you. We heard the porch steps creak as she ran from the cabin. She's drawing them off, Pink whispered. When the marauders came in, my heart was pounding so hard, I was sure they could hear it up there above us. There was a terrible commotion as they ransacked, looking for food. Then there was silence. A single shot echoed through the trees outside. They let out a war whoop as they thundered off. We waited for a sign from Momo Bay, but it didn't come. Finally, we climbed out and ran outside, only to see Momo Bay lying just beyond the porch. We put you in their way by staying here, Pink cried as he rocked her in his arms. Her eyes were looking in a faraway place as he closed them. Your son loves you, Momo Bay. Your son loves you. He sobbed as he kissed her. We both held her hand until there was no more warmth in it. After we buried her in the, under the willow tree, we set out. Pink figured we were a three days walk from Union troops. He watched the movement of the sun. Her words still rang in my heart. Her words about being brave. My steps were as sure now as they had ever been since the war started. We walked in the open, as clear as a country stroll, until the morning of the second day. Then we knew we were being followed. Take these, Pink said as he took his spectacles from his pocket. If they catch me with glasses, there'll be trouble for sure. When they caught up to us, one yelled at me, where are you going with that darky boy? I was afraid to answer because of my Northern accent. It would be a dead giveaway for sure. Boy, what outfit you part of, their leader barked. I couldn't answer. You union boy, one jeered as he pulled my uniform from my knapsack. No, I ain't no Yankee. I got that from a dead one, I sputtered, trying to convince them. That's when we were grabbed. My words had given us away. We were prisoners of the Confederate Army. We were held up in a barn that night. Pink shivered with fear. I held him as he had done for me. The next morning, we were thrown into a boxcar. We rode for what seemed two days, stopping many times. When the door slid open, the daylight was blinding. We were loaded into a buckboard and taken through the town. The townsfolk looked hard at us. All they had left for us was mean looks and a heap of hate. We jarred to a stop in front of the gates that marked the entrance to a stockade. It says Andersonville, Pink whispered. My heart stopped. I had heard of this place. It was one of the worst of the Confederate camps. When we were pulled from the buckboard, we fell hard to the ground. 
No, no, I begged as they pulled us both along. Because of his fever, Pink stumbled and fell. They dragged him along with such meanness. He did not protest until they forced us in different directions. Then he reached for me and said, let me touch the hand that touched Mr. Lincoln. Say, just one last time. I watched tears fill his eyes and cleaved my hand to his until they wrenched us apart. They smote him and dragged him away from me. He looked back at me and tried to say something more, but they crossed his back with knotted hemp and pushed him along. Sheldon Russell Curtis was released from Andersonville prison some months later, weighing no more than 78 pounds. Andersonville was built to hold only 10,000 prisoners, but by the end of the war, it held 33,000 soldiers. There was no fresh water, no shelter, and no food. 13,000 men and boys died of starvation and dysentery. Sheldon Curtis returned to his home and recovered. He settled in Berlin Township in Saranac, Michigan. He married Abigail N. Bernard and fathered seven children. He became a grandfather and a great-grandfather during his long lifetime. He died a very old man in 1924. Pincus Ailey never returned home. For him, there was to be no wife, no children nor grandchildren to remember him. It was told that he was hanged within hours after he was taken into Andersonville. His body was thrown into a pit. I know this story to be true because Sheldon Russell Curtis told his daughter, Rosa. Rosa Curtis Stoll told it to her daughter, Estella. Estella Stoll Barber, in turn, told it to her son, William. Then he told it to me, his daughter, Patricia. When my daughter, excuse me, when my father finished this story, he put out his hand and said, this is the hand that has touched the hand that has touched the hand that shook the hand of Abraham Lincoln. This book serves as a written memory of Pincus A. Lee since there are no living descendants to do this for him. When you read this, before you put this book down, say his name out loud and vow to remember him always. In memory of Pincus A. Lee.